Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. Hi, this is Jim Zalper with the University of Minnesota Extension located in St. Cloud. On today's podcast, I am joined by Jen Bentley from Northeast Iowa and Fred Hall, who's from Northwest Iowa, and they're both with Iowa State University. Welcome, guys and gals. Very good. We enjoy the visits when we do this as this group of three. Yeah, it's fun. Jim, Jim do you have any comments? Well, thanks for having me back on. Looking yeah, and to we the thought... Yeah, we thought we'd talk today a little bit. Uh, looks like 2023 is not going to be the most profitable year the dairy industry's ever had. And so I think all three of us get questions about, uh, so what can I do? At least I do. You know, what can I cut or how can I make my dairy more profitable? And so we're just going to throw out some ideas today. Probably nothing that you haven't talked about. Hopefully by us talking about this, it'll jink the milk price and all, you know, this will be a mute discussion because profitability will go up. But right now, at least here in the upper Midwest where our plants are all full, it's it's going to be, I, I think, a real challenging year for a lot of our dairy farmers. Hopefully we'll get some rain. What we had last year, you know, we had some prices and we had some moderating in our feed costs. This year, as I look at the, the CME right now, we don't have a single month uh, for the next 12 uh, above 1850. And we've got several months at 15 or below. So I think it definitely needs to, to have some strategies on, on what we're going to do. Not all of them are going to be, how do we manage the, the risk in the marketplace, you know, but there's going to be, what do we do, for instance, with feeding of the herd? I'll kick it off by saying, absolutely, we don't want to jeopardize the peak of those cows, because that has long term. If we try cutting our feed costs uh, and we see that peak drop, we've hurt our, our total potential income. So once we've peaked the cows, Jim, can we make the ration cheaper after that? Yeah, I think we've really, you know, most farms now are on a one group TMR. As you mentioned, Fred, now's maybe, and I know it's a labor issue and that's why we do it. But maybe it's a time to really kind of rethink that. Visit with your nutritionist because, as Fred mentioned, our fresh cows need all the all the goodies and all the things they really need to make, make that peak milk production. But once they're beyond that, particularly as they get the back half of that lactation, there's probably some additives that might be in our fresh cow diets or in our one-group TMR diets that those cows really don't need. Or there's maybe some byproducts that are available. That's that's really a local issue. Um, but there might be some of those that really that really can help up us cheapen up that ration a little bit. But that's something you, you really need to be visiting with your with your nutritionist. Um, I did nutrition in a previous life, and my observation is we always add additives to diets for really good logical reasons, but we always really have a challenge pulling them out because 
we're not sure if we pull them out or if we're going to lose milk production. But I think that's now might be one of the times to have those conversations with your nutritionist. So, Jenna, what are you, what are you recommending to these dairy producers in Northeast Iowa? Well, I mean, your feed, feed costs definitely, but just taking a look at your, how you're mixing your feed too, right? I think we talked earlier that shrink is pretty expensive and it's something that it's sometimes it's hard to quantify, right? Like how, how much do you pull back on that bag or how are you facing the bunker? I just think about when I was working on the dairy and I only fed on the weekends, right? So I wasn't as consistent as somebody that had been feeding the cows five, six, seven days a week. So, you know, some of that variability can start to add up if we're not consistent and we're not paying attention to shrink coming out of our our bags and bunkers. You know, that's a good point, Jen. I know more farmers are putting in software and some farms can't afford it, kind of monitoring that. But if you put in a little too much consistently of ingredient X, and that's kind of expensive, all of a sudden that can drive up your feed costs. So I think consistency of diets. The other thing about diet consistency is the more consistent you are, the less margin for error or the less extra margin a nutritionist needs to put in. Because typically, if you need this many nutrients, so nutrient level X, the nutritionist will typically put in a little bit more than that as kind of a safety margin. As Fred mentioned, you know, we get upset at nutritionists if we lose any milk production. And so the better you can be at feeding and the higher quality feed, the tighter that nutritionist can pull that down to really what the requirements of those cows are. Yeah. And I, you know, I go out of farms and they're, they're complaining because ingredient X costs a nickel or a dime. And then you go to the bunkers and there's, you know, six inches of mold on top or the faces, the silage is heating. So they need to throw it out. So I think sometimes we don't think about the forage costs that are in inventory, but in reality, that's a real cost. Kind of going back to Fred's comments about peak milk is, you know, peak milk and then the feed feed costs, but just, you know, maybe now is a good time to reevaluate your your herd records too and find out are there cows in the herd that could be sold because coal market price is pretty good right now. So that's an opportunity to really evaluate the cows that are making milk on the farm and uh, maybe some that are less profitable and could they be profitable someplace else too. So just having a really good conversation with, you know, your employees or your herd manager about where cows are on the farm as far as health and are there opportunities to maybe market some of those animals. That kind of plays in, you know, we still want healthy cows. We want low somatic cells. So not necessarily treating every minor instance, but uh, making sure that our, our cows are healthy. I think at this point in time, healthy and pregnant go hand in hand. And probably with the coal market we have, like Jen says, time to find some new occupations for cows that aren't making us money. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, I think if a cow looks like she would like a veterinarian, I think she maybe needs to go somewhere else. And again, that's not a criticism of veterinarians or tree. We sure want to treat cows that we have to, but I think how many times on our dairies do we do we treat this cow and we're kind of questionable 
you know, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And then the outcome isn't. And over that period of time between treatment and when we can actually call her, she loses weight or whatever she does, she becomes a less valuable cow. And I think we want to take less of those risks now that margins is, I, you know, as we all know in the dairy industry, and right now the beef industry is darn good. They want our cows and they want them bad. And so it's really a good time. And when feed prices are cheap, you know, and this varies all over. So these are real generalities. But when, when feed prices are really cheap, a cow can pay for her feed, kind of feed only, probably 30 to 35 pounds of milk. Now with these higher feed prices, that's up oh, probably closer to 40 to 50 pounds of milk and almost takes to kind of cover her feed, maybe a few other costs. But the point is that cows become profitable a lot faster. I mean, there's not a dairy farmer listening that doesn't know that conceptually. But I think we just in our mindset, we really need to be thinking about uh, how we want to deal with these cows as they go forward. But that the other thing I think we all probably keep more cows in our barns than we should. And, you know, what's the right stocking density? I don't know. You can look at all kinds of calculators and there's a lot of people trying to figure that out. But some barns clearly can have a lot more cows from a heat abatement, from a bunk standpoint, from a stall comfort standpoint. And so I don't think unless maybe Jen or Fred have a magic answer, but I think now's not, I'll just say right now, you cannot afford to hurt the production on a whole herd level by keeping too many cows and seven have some of them lower end cows shave the peak or the milk production on some profitable cows. I don't know, Jen or Fred, do you have any comments about that whole concept of, you know, how many cows should we be keeping in our barn right now? It's a good question, Jim. How many cows should we be keeping in our barn, right? Like you said, it just really depends on the type of facilities because you don't want to sacrifice cow comfort, cow health by overstocking. And I think it really forces the herd manager or dairy farm to evaluate what is kind of your your potential for stocking density. And that's something would, again, would be another thing to review here is how many cows can I fit into my, fit into my barn comfortably and still be making milk at a good level. And I think we have to really look at the pans. You know, we absolutely don't want to crowd those fresh cows, those transition cows. If you get a heifer pen, we don't want to crowd them because we know that that's going to affect production really fast. As we get farther out into uh, these later lactation cows, you know, I'm still not afraid to, to crank some of those density levels up just because I know those cows will probably still get to the bunk. They'll get uh, to the parlor. They'll, they'll do everything they're supposed to do. Uh, and I don't know, am I wrong, Jim? Do you think, you know, 120% uh, on those tail end pans is a bad? No, I think, I mean, it really, again, depends upon your barn and your level of comfort and whether it's a three-row pan or a two-row barn. But I, I sure can take you to some really high-producing herds that crowd more than that. Now, they do everything else really well. They've got really good heat abatement 
really good feed management. So I think that really depends upon it's it's really kind of a farm specific situation. You know, the other thing I've got some farms that are really thinking about or pondering that I work with is really cutting heifer levels down. I mean, heifers are cash flow drains. And right now, or at least over the the last few months, is heifer prices have been pretty darn good. You know, they've hung in there pretty well. And so I see some people that are, they know they're going to either have to be able to keep cows around, their cow inventory is going to drop some. So they're really pairing those heifer pens and for sure not keeping any extras. And they might even be going a little bit beyond that, especially if they're buying feed for heifers. Uh, I don't know if you guys are seeing any of that. I, I, you know, this is a, that's a, those are kind of drastic strategies, but those, there's some farms that are just going, you know, I can make heifers in the future. So I'm cutting down a little bit, thinking 23, maybe 24 will be maybe a tougher year too. And by then I can kind of crank up my heifer inventory, or maybe I can buy some heifers. Are you guys seeing any of that around heifer inventory management? Interesting. I'm seeing producers who are really evaluating these heifers they've treated. They've had some kind of a lung issue. They've had something that we've got enough data that says that's going to cut production as they come into their milking years. And a lot of those heifers aren't ever going to get bred. They just know that they were unhealthy. They're going to continue to be stymied by those past problems. Jen, you're a heifer person. What are you saying? Yeah, you know, I think there's just a lot of different opportunities for farms right now with their heifers. We can improve our genetics with genomic testing, and we can then make some breeding decisions on our heifers based on that. And so then there's that opportunity to do some dairy beef on our bottom end cows. So I think this, you know, this, these options probably probably couldn't have come at a better time, right? Because we have a little bit more flexibility on inventory than we probably have in the past. And I think our, our producers are realizing that they don't have to raise every heifer. And when we talk about treating illnesses, we are starting to realize that if I treated that calf for pneumonia early on, she's not going to be reaching her fullest potential when she gets in the milking string. So, I'm going to save my save that money and invest in, in a healthy animal. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential strategies, and I think it's a farm-by-farm farm situation, but I, I think you're right. I, heifers are another, you know, they're kind of a cost drain. You know, there's been some discussion, do we stretch out these lactations a little bit? We've gotten so good at getting milk out of cows. So instead of breeding them back quite so fast, maybe we need to wait a little bit more because the number of dry, you know, dry days aren't very productive days either. And so um, I, I'm not as quite as big of a fan of that. I like these peaks on these cows, but there's, there's people now, and I'm sure you know them too, that are drying up cows at a hundred pounds a day. Is, is that really the best strategy or should we be waiting a little bit to breed those cows? thing is it's a little bit hard to predict which one that might be but i think there's you know i'm not again i'm not encouraging that necessarily but i think there's some farms that are that are pondering what they can do to kind of get more more profit out of these cows on a daily basis 
So I think we brought up a lot of good points, Fred and Jim, and, you know, we focused a lot on the dairy cow, the management of the dairy cow on the farm. But I think there's one other point that maybe we want to conclude with is just making sure that our farmers are taking care of themselves, their employees, their families, because we have to keep those those things into perspective too, right? Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of our animals either too. So I would just, you know, say we need to think about how we're handling people on our farms and making sure everybody is okay too. Yeah, I think Jen, that's a good point. I mean, we all heard have heard stories, and I would guess we all know about farmers that there's been a lot of tragedies with um, suicide, primarily. But I think that really is important. Just remember, I know so many farms identify with that is their job, and that's who they are. I think it's gotten better, but I think it really is important to recognize that you and your family long-term, this too shall pass, right? I mean, prices have gone up and down forever. I know it's getting worse, but I think it's really important. And I think, Fred, you said it earlier, or maybe it was in a previous podcast where there is life beyond cows. And I think if you're in a situation where you're you know, your equity is just draining and you're just kind of wore out. There's really nothing wrong when you look at a year like this, or if, if this has been a kind of continually and this is kind of the end of the line for you, I, I would encourage you to talk to whoever your trusted advisors are, not just financial advisors, but kind of personal advisors, whether it's a pastor or somebody else. And don't be afraid to might make the right decision for you and your family. I know, Fred, Jen, do you have any more comments along those lines? I'm glad you brought that up, Jen. I think that really is important. It's easy for us to sit here and talk about, well, do this, do that. And I'm sure there's listeners that saying, you know, we've tried all this and it we just aren't going to make it. I think you were very eloquent in saying that. It's something that we don't always think about, but maybe we should be thinking about it more. Yeah, I think so too. So I don't know, do we have any closing remarks for anybody? Jen or Fred, that was a good, really a good message to close on, I think. I agree. So I'm I'm glad you joined us for this podcast. Hopefully it was beneficial to you. Um, this is I-29, Moo University Dairy Podcast. Again, make sure you check the episode notes. This will all be on our website. It's pretty easy. Google I-29, Moo University. You'll get right there. And we may have some resources. And again, don't forget to support our sponsors. We really rely on them. And they're really good to support all of our programs. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash EXT.